Chapter Eight of Rejected of Men by Howard Pyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. One of them named Caiaphas being high priest that same year. During the winter, it became more and more certain that Bishop Godkin was dying and that Doctor Caiaphas would be chosen his successor. The poor bishop had been sick for nearly a year past then the cause of his illness was found to be an internal malignant disease at first even after the nature of the trouble had been diagnosed he had battled against his mortal sickness now feeling better and now again more ill and for a long time his family had hoped against failing hope that it might not be what the physicians had decided it to be then at last towards the end came the time when it became no longer possible to disguise the inevitable fact bishop godkin must die the end was certain and was very near and nothing not all the skill of modern surgery could save him it was dreadful for mrs godkin and the two misses godkin both elderly spinsters and they fell for a time prostrate under the blow that the attendant physicians had to administer then they somewhat rallied again from that prostration and after a while again began now and then to hope for there were times when there would be a respite in the ghastly sickness meantime the work upon the unfinished temple was being pushed forward with a renewed vigour after the freezing cold of the winter stone by stone bit by bit it grew towards its slow completion it seemed to those poor women in these dark days of their trouble to be peculiarly tragic to look out of the broad clear windows of the bishop's house across the open plaza-like square and to see everything over there at the towering structure so busy and full of life to hear the ceaseless clink clicking of hammer and chisel and now and then the creaking of block and tackle to see always the restless moving of the workmen among the blocks of marble and the debris scattered about under the sheds in front of the south nave to see all this and then to think of the muffled stillness of the sick-room over yonder where maybe the physician sat listening patiently to the sick man as he maundered on about his discomforts everybody believed that dr caiaphas would be the next bishop that is everybody except dr caiaphas himself he desired the honour so much that he did not dare let himself believe hardly to let himself hope he used to go every day or two to visit the dying man it was always a distressing task to him but he resolutely set himself to do it as cheerfully as possible he used to dread it very much the sight of the unpreventable squalor of a sick-room even as comfortable as this was very revolting to him the smell of the medicines and the sight of the basins and towels the half-drawn curtains the silent shadow-like movements of the trained nurse and always the sick man himself the centre of all this attention sitting propped up among the pillows in a great armchair by the table there were generally flowers in the tall tumbler on the table they only made everything seem still more ghastly with their insistence of something sweet and pretty where nothing could be sweet and pretty dr caiaphas used to return from such visits with an ever-haunting recollection of that pinched haggard eager face that had once been so rosy of the bent lean figure that had once been so plump 
its helpless hands and its legs wrapped up in blankets the lean brows already grey with the shadow of approaching death all these made still more terrible by the attempted comforts of the sick-room at such times after his return home dr caiaphas would look around at his beautiful books his little gems of art his engravings his eastern rugs his soft delectable surroundings and wonder what was the good of them all except to cover over the chasm of death so that for a time he might not see it that chasm of death what was there within it was there really another and a better life or only the blackness of oblivion in a few days now the poor old man who was dying over at the cathedral yonder would have solved the enigma a few days and he would either be alive again or else he would know nothing at all dr caiaphas wondered why he had yesterday bought at so extravagant a price the aldine virgil in its original pigskin binding how poor and foolish and petty was the joy of ownership of such a thing when a man must die in the end then one morning while dr caiaphas was busy writing at his book the great religion of the world the serving-man brought him a note he tore it open and hastily read it dear dr caiaphas it said come as soon as you can to the bishop's house the bishop is sinking rapidly it was signed by dr willington where are you going theodore said mrs caiaphas as she met the doctor hurrying down the stairs my dear the poor bishop is dying he said solemnly oh theodore she cried the first thought that flashed through her mind was of the relation of this coming event to herself that maybe at last her husband was upon the eve of becoming the head of the church she put the thought away from her as quickly as she could oh theodore she cried again yes my dear he said and then he kissed her and left her the bishop was indeed dying there was no mistaking the signs the broken irregular strident breathing the pale filmy eyes the pinched nose and the cavernous mouth dr willington and dr clarkson were both present dr clarkson sat by the bedside his finger-tips resting lightly upon the lean wrist of the unconscious hand that lay limp upon the coverlet the trained nurse stood on the other side of the bed her hands folded and a look as of patient waiting upon her smooth gentle face her cap and her apron added to that look of patient gentleness mr bonteen the rector of the temple and mr goodman his assistant were both present in the room mrs godkin and her two daughters had been up nearly all night and were not then present dr willington had just now sent them down to a broken scrappy breakfast dr caiaphas stood looking down into the face of the dying man he gazed solemnly and silently in a little while he also would look like that and be as that and then he turned away mr bonteen arose and shook hands silently with him there had been a long lull in the quick harsh breathing suddenly it began again the door opened and mrs godkin came into the room dr caiaphas arose she gave him her hand she pressed her handkerchief to her eyes and her body was shaken with sobs he pressed the helpless hand he held the lord said he will temper the wind to the shorn lamb and then it flashed upon him that he was quoting secular and not sacred words he looked around but no one else seemed to notice the fact 
about noon mr thomas and mr algernon godkin the bishop's two brothers arrived and then dr caiaphas went home to lunch almost never had he realized the littleness of man's life as now he could not enjoy the salmi of capone hardly could he enjoy the madeira at half-past two o'clock bishop godkin passed away dr caiaphas was elected his successor the day that he was chosen was perhaps one of the happiest of his life he went straight to his wife he seemed to be walking upon air he found her in her own room reading a magazine he took her face between his hands and looked into her eyes mary he said will you wish me joy oh theodore she cried rising and letting the magazine fall to the floor have you got it he nodded his head she flung her arms around his neck and drew him close to her it was almost exactly as it had been when twenty-one years ago he had told her he had been invited to the living of the church of the advent there were tears in her eyes now as there had been then they were both of them very happy it was arranged that no immediate change as to residence was to be made mrs godkin and her two daughters were to continue to live at the bishop's house until the coming may so that in the meantime they might have an opportunity of finding another house to suit them mrs godkin's brother-in-law wanted her to remove to the northern metropolis but she was too closely identified with her present home and too deeply enrooted in its society to be willing to transplant her life into other and newer ground the newly elected high priest suggested dr dayton of the neighbouring city as a fitting one to succeed himself as rector of the church of the advent since we cannot any longer said mr dorman webster have dr caiaphas under whom we have grown up into spiritual manhood through all these years and whom we love so dearly and he reached across the table as he spoke and clasped the new bishop's hand i for one advise that we shall do the next best thing and take the man whom he shall nominate bishop caiaphas wrung mr dorman webster's hand in silence he could not trust himself to speak so dr dayton was invited to come over and take the rectorship of the church of the advent End of chapter eight